Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, and actionable steps to help you jumpstart joy in the world, in your life, and in other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 204. In this week's show, I'm revisiting the conversation that I had with Kelly Denethorne. Kelly is an educator, a transgender advocate, and the blogger behind Unordinary Style. Kelly started this blog in 2010 and began it as a place to explore her love of style while she was exploring women's fashion. Now, Kelly had been born male, and she was trying on several different titles for herself, including transvestite and crossdresser, and then realized that she was born with gender variants, and she is transgendered. In the 2018 school year, Kelly then began teaching her middle school classroom as a woman, and she has started the process of transitioning. The thing that I love about Kelly and this episode is the humor and grace with which she shares her journey. Uh, In the last year or so, she's also become an advocate for the transgender community and has had several speaking engagements where she gets to share her story as well. It's really been a unique experience having gone to high school with Kelly when she was known as Bob, and it was a real true joy to reconnect with her and learn about where her life has taken her since then. The other reason that I really wanted to do this as a look back episode as I wrap up season four is it felt like there was such a strong resonance with a message that you guys heard last week from Stacia Savasic, who is a style coach, and she talks about inside out congruency and what she's learned from her own daughter about that. And then Kelly's story about how her journey of fashion also helped her connect to her true identity as a woman. And so it really was a beautiful, you know, happenstance that these two episodes were in this season, but kind of like I saw in season three with some of the episodes starting to resonate around the same topics. I felt like these two were so beautiful together and I really wanted to share them as such here as we wind down on season four. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Kelly. So before we get to that, a real quick hello and introduction. Um, I'm Paula and welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. It's a podcast that talks about the inspiration, intention, and action that you can take to bring more joy into your daily life. It's a real treat to get to do this show every week. I'm so totally delighted to be here. So thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about the show, you can find the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com and the show notes, which will have links to Kelly's website. And some of the things that we talk about are at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Kelly. Uh, And I encourage you to head on over there. You can also sign up for my three things Thursday newsletter. And that's where I talk a little bit more about the things that really stood out to me about each of these episodes. So it's a really fun way to engage with you guys. I'm also super excited to announce that I am one of the speakers at She Podcasts Live, which is a conference for podcasters, and it's running in October in Atlanta. So if you want to find out more, I will have a little link in the show notes about it. And you can click on that if you're a podcaster or if you're going, I would love to see you. So let me know if you will be there or there are still tickets available available if you're interested. So without further ado, let's get right on into this conversation with Kelly Denethorn. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, Kelly. 
Oh, thank you so much for having me here. I'm so um, happy to be here. <laughs> it's a delight. It is really a delight to have you. <laughs> it is. Um, it is well, a delight to have me. Thank you for saying that. I agree entirely. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is going to be so much fun. <laughs> uh, would you like to tell us what you loved most as a child or in school? What were your earliest sparks of joy? Uh, my earliest sparks of joy came from being with my sister. Um, I can remember that for, you know, the longest time. That's probably my longest memory of just how um, enjoyable it was hanging out with my sister. I don't think it was very enjoyable for my sister. She's an older sister, about two and a half years. And so I'm sure I was a complete and utter pest to her. But I was always thrilled and happy whenever I could be around her. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to share what it is that you do now and who do you work? I do a variety of different things. My uh, my main nine to five job is I'm a middle school math teacher um, in Porterville, California. So I work for Porterville Unified School District. Um, It's very exciting. (laughs) Very exciting school district. Now, it's a very lovely place to work. Um, That's one of my jobs. Um, I also am uh, an outside math consultant. Um, and so I work with a company to go into school districts to help elementary teachers to better teach um, mathematics. So for, sometimes for them, I operate as a, um, as a teacher coach where I'll work one-on-one with teachers. And sometimes I work with them as a presenter um, where we go in and do presentations to larger groups of teachers. Um, yeah. And I do lots of little side gigs. And so I, you know, I blog, which is a very exciting, very well-paid position. You know, it's, 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 oh my God, it's amazing. The perks that you get from being a fashion blogger. Oh goodness. And I also do little things like, um, do something It's called teachers pays teachers. So if you get a teachers pays teachers, then you can find my very own teacher work uh, there and you can buy it or you can have some of it for free. That's cool. So are yeah. those like um, lesson plans that someone could download or use? Um, they're more like lesson activities, mathematics um, activities that I designed for use in my own classroom. So I designed my own curriculum for use with my students to help them to better understand mathematics. Um, and then I can put it onto the site. And then um, if it's like something small, I typically put it up there for free. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I put some time into it, then I have a nominal fee. Very cool. Oh, yeah. Very exciting. Everybody loves middle school math, right? I mean, come on. It's like the favorite time of our lives, middle school and mathematics. Oh, my God. It was not my favorite. I hated math. I didn't really like middle school. So, yeah, you would have been a joy to to, uh, have spent time with because, yeah, I'm the one that would have been crying in the corner. I'm sure you would be great in my math class. I probably would have been. Yeah. Over the last year or so, you've made some pretty big changes. Yeah. do you want to talk about how that's impacted your your life and your day job and all of it? Because um, I think it's it's a super inspiring story. Oh, thanks so much. Mm-hmm. Um, well, within the last year, um, specifically the last year, I mm-hmm. um, decided to uh, transition. Um, and so involved in that was going ahead and legally changing uh, my name and my gender, mm-hmm. uh, which I got completed on... Uh, June 28th um, of 2018. <laughs> and I think that it cost me about $480, 500 bucks. I get to go ahead and change my name and my gender. Yeah, but no, it was a super process. But um, then the question really became was, you know, what about the children? Um, mm-hmm. What am I going to do as a teacher? Because I had left my job the year before and people, I had started coming out as transgender um, prior to legally changing. 
Mm-hmm. And um, so people, my job, they knew. And so they're like, so, you know, are, what, what's going to happen next year? What, what are you going to have the students do? And I said, you know what? I don't know. I really don't. Um, however, once I went ahead and actually legally changed my name and my gender, um, I decided, yep, I'm, I'm going to go into work as me. Um, mm-hmm. And the students are going to call me Mrs. Denethorn. Uh, my wife actually works at the same school site that I do. Um, so I teach mathematics and she teaches language arts. And so we had the debate for a while. We're like, oh, my God, there's going to be two Mrs. Denethorns on campus. What, what what will the students do? What will happen? <laughs> but, but we decided, you know what? They're going to figure it out. They're going to roll with it. and They're going to be cool. And mm-hmm. they really happen. Um, uh, I So I've had students last year um, as seventh graders that had me as Mr. Denethorn. And mm-hmm. this year... Some of them have me again, and uh, they all are totally fine with referencing me as Mrs. Denethorn. And um, like within the first month or two, several students, they would misgender me through pronoun usage mm-hmm. um, or something. And then like a student next to them would smack them on the arm and be like, she uses she and her. Come on, get with it. What are you doing? And so that was just hilarious to see the students correcting each other that way. So the students have been great. It seems like it's been overwhelmingly positive. And I don't know, was there anything about the, the transitioning of name and gender that surprised you with the student? I, it kind of surprised me with like how how well they went with it. And and as well, like that it's better now. Things are better um, in my classroom. I've always struggled with, with discipline um, mm-hmm. in my classroom. And um, I've had a tough time with that, with making sure that I remain emotionally stable. And so transitioning has really tremendously helped me in that manner. But surprisingly, it helped it helped my students as well, because I think that middle schoolers are really good um, BS detectors. Mm. And yeah. so they can like kind of read when you're not being honest with them and such. They can kind of tell. And so probably the last five, 10 years, I went into work in a very mixed gender format. And mm-hmm. so I wore women's jewelry and had a, you know, um, a woman's phone case and a wallet and my fingernails were painted pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't like out as trans. And so uh, when I did choose to transition, it's kind of like the students were like, oh, now I get it. Now mm-hmm. I understand. And and so it's really helped build good relationships with the students. And so discipline issues in my classroom have really seemed to disappear um, in many ways. And so since I'm a lot more calm and self-assured in who I am and not terrified of being persecuted for who I am, it's just lovely now in my classroom. After 23 years, I'm like, oh my God, I actually like teaching. Well, and that is amazing. And I know you have an amazing blog post that went up today as of when we're recording this, but about some of that journey. And maybe this is a great time to kind of bring in your blog and how it is so tied in. It's called An Ordinary Style, which I love the name of. (laughs) So good. Um, Thank you. It strikes me that style is a very interesting thing about how it um, kind of reflects who we are in many ways. And, and so does. I wonder if you want to talk a little bit about how your journey has unfolded and how that blog has played a role in it. Yeah, it was really interesting when I first started my blog, because I, um, at the time, I was uh, referencing myself as a transvestite. 
Mm -hmm. um, of all things. And transvestite nowadays in the trans community, it's like, that's like a dirty word. You don't Mm -hmm. say that. You don't call yourself a transvestite because a transvestite is somebody that is is in it for sexual purposes. Mm, okay. However, I didn't know that. I mean, growing up, you know, pro- I probably knew the two words transvestite and transsexual, mm-hmm. um, but I did not connect those words with me. Those words were describing somebody that was a character in a movie, Dr. Frankenberger, you know, mm-hmm. from, um, I can't even think of it. What, Is that Rocky? Rocky, Rocky yeah, Horror? Rocky, Rocky Horror <laughs> yeah. Pictures. Though. There you go. <laughs> And I definitely did not identify as that. When I finally accepted um, that something was going on with me, I kind of had this idea that like all I really wanted to do was just dress in women's clothes and express my own personal style that way. And so I started calling myself a transvestite. And I was fine with that. And I was living in my own little world. And I was totally cool with that. My wife knew. She's always known. But then I decided to reach out to to the wider community. And so I went to Google. And I typed in transvestite. And I was like, oh, my God. What are these images (laughs) that are coming back (laughs) to me? This is just not, this is not me, you know? And so... I wanted to put out there a different image of what a transvestite could be. Mm. And so when I started blogging, it was to show that you could call yourself a transvestite and you could actually be stylish and just dress like any other average normal woman. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started my blog. But that was 10 years ago that I've been blogging. And um, over that time period, I stopped calling myself a transvestite. I started calling myself a crossdresser. Mm-hmm. Um, for a while. And that's when I started coming out more to, to more people. I was like, I can't tell people that I'm a transvestite because they're going to get this image of just this super sexualized person. And there is something that is called transvestic fetishism. And so it is a sexual fetish and it is tied to dressing in the ways of the opposite gender uh, mm-hmm. from you. So when I started calling myself a crossdresser, and all this is still on my blog. So like some people, they're like, no, 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 I've decided that I'm not this anymore. So they go back and they change all this stuff. But I was like, you know what? That's who I was at that time. Yeah. And that and that's how I identified. So I'm going to keep it up there and it's fine. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, I love that, you're, that you leave it there. <laughs> I have the same opinion of the podcast. There's an interesting story to see how someone becomes who they are, whatever yeah. that journey is. And so I love that you've left them all up there because I think it is an interesting, it's who you were and it reflects also a journey that probably somebody else will see themselves reflected in, in some way in the future of figuring out who they are and holistically, what does that mean? After you had discovered that maybe cross-dresser was a term that you kind of resonated with more, how did you go from knowing that you enjoyed wearing women's clothes to then knowing that you wanted to transition? Well, it's been a really, really hard thing for me to accept. And so, gosh, I would say that in between calling myself a crossdresser and transitioning, there was... <laughs> there's a lot of territory gosh, there. <laughs> it's probably eight years Yeah, in between those time periods. I know for a fact that I have a reference that I call myself a crossdresser because I came out to some friends in 2012 as a crossdresser. And it was probably six years later that I started coming out to people as transgender non-binary. So when I was a crossdresser, I really had this idea that said, you know what? I'm a dude. Okay, that's what I am. I'm a dude. I was born with dude parts. So I may as well just accept that I'm a dude 
regardless of how I feel inside and regardless of everything that I like, I just need to accept this is reality. And so I tried really, really hard to just accept that reality and to kind of satisfy myself. I mean, I hate using that because again, like we were just talking about sex, right? So I satisfy myself. No, not that kind of satisfaction. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, it's just sort of like, I don't know. It's just like an internal feeling, like a need, like I need to do this to feel right Mm -hmm. with the world. When I was cross-dressing and such, then I would only go ahead and dress um, as me, dress as a woman, maybe once or twice a month. Oh, wow. And so it'd be, you know, Saturday where I didn't have anything going on. And so then, you know, I would get dressed up in female clothes and my wife and I would go to a nearby town and go to the movies or we'd go to Costco or Trader <laughs> Joe's, you know? Yeah, yeah. These very exciting things. So yeah, I tell, I get this speech and I tell people, I'm like, Oh yeah, we went clubbing all the time and everything. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Yeah, uh-uh. no, just shopping. Okay. Right. Just these average everyday things. And so that went on for quite a long time until, and I was really debating like whether or not I should try to change my hormones. Mm-hmm. because I was really unhappy in many ways. And in many ways, I've been successful throughout my life, but there's always been something kind of stopping me from from truly being successful and how I felt being successful. And same thing with teaching, that I've always been a good teacher, but I've always struggled um, to be a teacher and such. And so I, I debated changing my hormones for a long time. And I came to the decision that, nope, I'm not going to change my hormones. And with me, it's really strange how I do things um, because I have a way of like figuring out how to do things, even though I consciously made a decision to not do that. Yeah. (laughs) It's like your subconscious self is coming in and being like, oh, no, no, Kelly, let's do it this way. And you're like, you know, boiled again. Yeah, Yeah, totally. I mean, it was so weird. I went ahead and I made a presentation to give to college classes. It's one of the things I like to do now is I go out to college classes and speak to them. And so I made this presentation of like basically my whole life from like the day I was born until now. Mm-hmm. And while making that, I realized I spent 90% of my nights in the women's dorm at college. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. It's not like because I went to them, I was like, hi, I'm trans. I'm actually a woman. So I need to be in the women's dorms. No, no. I just told my girlfriend and I went, we went to college together. And I just said to her, you know, I really don't like my roommate. So can I just sleep here? Yeah. And then she, and her roommate allowed it. And so I stayed in the women's store. <laughs> yeah. So the same sort of thing. Like I decided to not change my hormones. However, what I did do is I went to my doctor and I told my doctor that I had a prostate problem mm-hmm. and um, complained about very specific uh, symptoms um, of, a, of, a, of an enlarged prostate. And so they put me through every single test and I'm not even going to describe them because they were actually horrible. And oh, you no. say this, and, yeah, and most guys are like, Oh yeah, there's no way I would let anybody put a finger anywhere. And it's like, you know what? <laughs> that was the easiest of all of the tests that I had. You know, oh, so man. yeah, they were bad. And so the doctor got done. This was a urologist, a specialist who does this stuff all the time. He got done and he said, Guess what? I can't find anything wrong with you. Mm. And I said, Yeah, but I still have these symptoms. And he said, Okay, well, I'll put you on this medication. I took the medication, the medication worked fine. I went into the doctor and I told the doctor, Nope, doesn't work at all. But you know what you could do is that you could prescribe me finasteride. And he said, oh, okay, well, finasteride, yeah, that, that'll help. That'll shrink your prostate. But you do know that finasteride has the side effect, potential side effect of breast growth, don't you? And I said, oh, no, really? I had no idea. 
So you, Kelly, yeah. that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So he put me on finasteride and I was just pleased as punch. You know, mm-hmm. I decided to not change my hormones, but, and I got a doctor to put me on a prescription that might potentially cause me to have breast growth. Mm-hmm. And so everything was great until three months later when I went in and he said, how's it going? And I wanted him to know that it was great because, you know, I really wanted to stay on this. I hadn't had any breast growth, but I wanted him to know that this is awesome for me. So I told him, this is great. This is fabulous. It's working really, really well. And he said, oh my gosh, great. Then we're going to take you off of it because it's done its job. Mm. And I, I had a panic attack. Mm. Um, I really don't remember anything else that the doctor went ahead and said to me. I do remember making it back to my car and crying all the way back to my work and just trying to pull myself together. Cause I had a class that I had to teach after that. And it was like right there in my car when I just couldn't stop crying. And I just, I, I, I knew I had to seek therapy. I had to finally go ahead and seek therapy for my gender variance. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know if transition was the right thing. I didn't know if changing my hormones was the right thing, but I knew that I finally needed to get some help. And I've been aware um, of my gender variance probably since at least age 12. At mm-hmm. least age twelve, I was, I was, I've been really quite clear that that there is something different about me. Um, and so, at age, gosh, at age forty-five, I finally got therapy, and I started seeing somebody who specializes in gender variance. And she very quickly heard my story and was like, "Hey, maybe you should call this doctor." And so I called <laughs> that doctor, and I got an appointment, and I went in and talked to the doctor. And the doctor heard like five minutes of my story and was like, yeah, here's your prescription for estrogen. (laughs) You really need this. How amazing to find the right people when you were ready for those people and and needed them that they showed up and they were the right ones like oh yeah i mean what a blessing really it really really has been i've been so blessed to go ahead and to work like it's like we call it like assembling a team right when you have like these conditions and so my team has just been awesome i've just been so fortunate to work with these people so i got my script for estrogen and i got a testosterone blocker um and because you have to block the testosterone it doesn't stop the production it just stops my body from absorbing it by the end of the first day i was like oh yeah this is what's been missing from my life pretty much the entire time and you knew that quickly that's amazing oh yeah Oh yeah. It was just, it was so obvious to me. Just so obvious. I didn't actually have any, I didn't have any intentions of transitioning um, at that point. I just knew that I wanted to change my hormones. That was in 2017 that that actually happened. And so it wasn't until a year later that I actually decided to legally change Mm, um, my gender and then actually start dressing as me, which was another fabulous decision (laughs) that I I went (laughs) with. (laughs) Well, and before we go into that part, if somebody is Maybe in that space, either right before you had that moment in the car or they've had that inkling since they were 12 or like, you know, they're in that space of kind of feeling like maybe, maybe there's something going on here and I'm not sure what it is. I don't know. Do you have advice? Get a therapist. That's it. Get, get, not just any therapist, get a therapist that is at least familiar and, and works with, um, the trans community or, or gender variant, um, individuals. Um, ideally you should get somebody that specializes, you know, in gender variants. That that really is my best advice. And I really wish that I would have had access to, to, you know, such a person long ago. Yeah. Well, and I imagine most people could, there's somebody probably out there that you could find if you just look, knowing what to look for and just saying yes to it is like, (laughs) is a step in itself. Oh, Oh yeah. 
yeah, it is. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's huge. That was my issue for the longest time that I was like, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need it. And it's like, you know, I used to be so like kind of against therapy and such. I'm like, look, if you got somebody to talk to, if you got friends, you're good to go. Yeah, And now I'm like, uh, no, I, I'm probably going to go ahead and, and be in therapy for the rest of my life just because I love working with my therapist and yeah. I love working with somebody that I, I can set goals with and kind of work towards those things and such. Well, and I think there's something to be, I've, I've, I'm not currently working with a therapist, but I have in the past and there's some things in life where it's, you're not going to get that kind of support or that kind of guidance from someone else. Like you just kind of need that specialized care of someone that can really help you out. And mine was around PTSD and stuff. But I think figuring that out and saying, yes, I think that was one of the scariest things for me ever was saying, oh my gosh, I need this help. And then that's so hard. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're right too, finding the right person, finding that person that you can work with. That's a struggle in of itself. And it's a huge trust thing. And then when it works, it's amazing. So yeah. yeah, it is. You know, I just realized as we're as we're chatting here that like you, you asked about the blog and how the blog helped in, in this. And I think really, you know, to kind of try to wrap up that thought was that the yeah. blog helped me because I was able to document my thoughts. It's like an online diary. Yeah. Um, it very much um, so is. Um, and so it, it gave me that place to, to kind of document these things and kind of work out my thoughts as well as bounce ideas off of other people and, and kind of do that sort of thing. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't remember how long ago you asked that question about the blog, but I was like, Oh crap. I don't think I like actually returned to that. Did you find community in some ways through the blog or have you found a community of transgendered people? I have connected with a variety of different um, communities. There is a community of transgender people within the blogosphere. My, my favorite thing is connecting with cisgender people through the blog and getting feedback and comments from cisgender people on my blog. I'm like, oh my God, somebody that's not trans reads my blog. One reader recently that wrote me some really cool letter. She's like not trans and she is also a teacher and my blog has helped educate her about trans people. And I'm like, oh my God, that's that's really, really cool. There is a bit of a, a trans community in the blog blogosphere and I do connect with them here and there. But it, the blogging community tends to be very sporadic especially in the trans community. It's like same thing with my blog in many ways that it's like lots and lots of blogs. And then, and then we transition and they're like, Oh, blog, not so important to us anymore. (laughs) Um, And so I still blog here and there, but then like chat boards, there are several chat boards that I am a member of. And those are very interesting um, to interact with a wider transgender community. And so it might be a good time to explain as well that many people consider the word transgender to be an umbrella term. Okay. That many different gender variances reside underneath the transgender umbrella. Okay. And so like there's one particular chat board that I go to and there are people that are there that call themselves transvestites and people that call themselves crossdressers and people that call themselves um, transsexual and people that call themselves non-binary. And so that's a really interesting community to interact with to be able to get a wider view of the transgender community, which is cool. And there's a local place um, to me, local um, in Visalia, that um, it's a place called The Source. And they do a, like every other week, um, support group 
for transgender individuals. And so we go for like two hours and can go ahead and chat about anything. And a wide variety of people with different identities um, show up there. Um, and so that's been really cool to connect with them, to, to connect with people face to face. Because online, mm-hmm. oftentimes you don't know, is this a real person? Are they, they being honest and forthright with who they are or what? Yeah. And and a lot of times, unfortunately, in the trans community, there can be a lot of fantasy play mm. um, within there. So people don't transition, but then online, then they say that they have transitioned. And so they place themselves, put themselves off as something that they're not. And so that's kind of, I don't know, you always got to be careful, right? You got to be careful online. Oh, totally. So it's really cool to interact with people in public. And that's also given me a lot more opportunities and open doors for me to be able to go speak um, in different places. I was through my connection through this place in Visalia. Then I spoke this year at the Women's March. Around that kind of work, has that been you more stepping into an advocacy role? I mean, and I deeply appreciate that you're open and explaining some of these things in language that I can understand and that other people can then understand and communicate right. to other people yeah. as well. So yeah. what brought you into that space of advocacy and speaking about your experience? Probably on, I don't know, more than one occasion, my doctor and my therapist, both completely independently, mm. um, said to me, um, so when are you going to get out there and start speaking to people? <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and they're like, you are a fabulous role model for the trans community. And you're very approachable. I was like, what? I'm approachable? No, I'm not. I am not approachable. I'm a total bitch. What are you talking about? <laughs> you're approachable, Kelly. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're right. <laughs> well, what I went ahead and started in trying to do was try to like, you know, try to explore this idea. Like, what would this mean? And as well, I met somebody through my through my therapist. She also ran a group support thingy. And in that group support, she brought in a speaker um, whose name is Jessica Lynn. And Jessica Lynn is a trans woman who started speaking in Santa Maria, little town here in California. And she is now traveling worldwide and giving her transgender speech, you know, about what her story is. And, and so she probably, I think in the last year, she's probably done her speech maybe at 300 different venues. That's mind blowing. (laughs) That's a lot of talking. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. There was a reporter from New York that was speculating that she's probably the world's most prolific public speaker, probably does the most public speeches, you know, worldwide. Yeah. Well, and for people who don't know Santa Maria, it's a tiny town, like kind of in yeah. Central California. And it's not that close to either LA or, or San Diego or San Francisco. It's kind of out on its own. So yeah. that's an unusual place for any speaker <laughs> to come from. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. very much so. And so anyway, she came to group and she was like, look, it, we need more um, trans individuals getting out there and speaking. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, you know, the the right time, the right place. And I heard that and I was like, okay, I need to do this. And so then I, I set up with my therapist a goal that said, how am I going to go about doing this? That, you know, would help me to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And so it probably took me about a year before I figured things out and got my little presentation together and started putting out inquiry letters to college professors um, around the area saying, hey, I'd really like to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to come in and speak to your class. And it's like a total like free of charge sort of thing. Like 
please let me just come in and just, you know, speak to your college classes. And so I've gotten a few college professors to accept and gone in and started um, doing that. And I love it, actually. Like, I didn't know this. I didn't realize this at the time. But, you know, having been a teacher, an educator for the last 23 years, and apparently being a lifelong learner, as well as apparently I'm approachable, this has kind of given me a specific set of skills that allows me to be, apparently, I'm a a pretty good public speaker. Yeah. (laughs) From the feedback that I've gotten from people. They they like it. So yeah, I mean, if you're interested, you can go to my website. It's denathorn.com. I will link it up too. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a few quotes up there from people that have seen me speak. That's amazing. One of the the words that gets used on the show a lot is multi-passionate, which just means someone that has a hard time figuring the one thing they want to be when they grow up. They kind of a renaissance soul. And so I kind of see you in that vein. I mean, math and fashion to me, like those are two big, like those are different worlds. And then, you know. What are you talking about? Fashion is such a mathematical equation. I've got to figure it out. (laughs) I think maybe it is though, right? Like if you're pear shaped, like there's probably equations. Probably. I don't know. I really don't. I'll leave it to you to figure that one out. Uh Well, you know, people like somebody in one of my speeches, they're like, oh, my God, I love your hair. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, thanks. I really appreciate that. It's a wig. She was like, no. Oh, my God, it's a wig. And so then the question became, how did you get such a great hairstyle for you? And I said, well, I I am a mathematician. Mm -hmm. And they all looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, "Um, problem solver. (laughs) That's that's what I do as a mathematician. And so in many ways. You know, yeah, there isn't a mathematical formula that I do know, but I understand this idea. Here's a problem. And so there's a solution for this problem. And like in fashion, it's really interesting because I've, you know, worked with many different people and they're like, you know, I hate this or that, the other thing. And I'm like, well, why? And they're like, because my body. And I'm like, well, no, 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 no. Don't start blaming your body um, on these things because regardless of what body you have, there are clothes out there that will fit your body. Mm-hmm. It's just, you can't have this idea that says, I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to pick up a shirt that says size M and I take it back and it has to fit. And if it doesn't fit, that means my body is broken. Right. No, 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 it doesn't. It probably means that, you know, you should just try a different shirt. Right, exactly. Let's don't don't onboard the kind of baggage that comes with feeling like your body isn't working. Yeah, right. That so many people totally go to that. They totally go to that idea. So in many ways, being a mathematician has helped me in being trans and finding my fashion. And just it's kind of made me a problem solver and to approach things from that perspective. That um, it's just a problem and it just needs a solution. And sometimes it may take a few more experiments, mm-hmm. you know, to find that solution, but always be willing to go ahead and to experiment to find the solution because it's out there. It is. Mm, I love yeah. that so much. That's good <laughs> stuff right there, Kelly. Like the whole idea too, that like you remain curious and like open to whatever that answer might be. It doesn't have yeah. to be, it doesn't have to be the one plus one equals no. two. It could no. be something very different. I tried so many different iterations um, of things like it's hilarious. I had this thing on my blog about how to create cleavage. Mm, yeah. And so during my speech, I put up a f- picture that I have where it, I have amazing decolletage mm. and, and people are like, Oh my God, the hormones did such great work for you. And I was like, yeah, that's probably about two or three years before I changed my hormones. 
They're like, what are you talking about? How could you have that picture? But you hadn't changed your hormones. Like somebody said to me, they're like, you definitely had a boob job, right? I'm like, um, no, <laughs> I haven't. But it was just that same idea, experimenting until I found something that worked. And so, yeah, yeah it was amazing. <laughs> I will link up to that blog post because I saw that as I was going through and I was like, well, there you go. Those are things I don't know. <laughs> oh goodness. Well, I feel like we could go on and on forever, but I am Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> so maybe another time, but um I love to talk. If you haven't realized that, I'd love to talk. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> what Fun. a match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will gladly go ahead and be, you know, come back um, you know, on your program anytime that you will go ahead and have me because Aww. you know, I'm not sure if we actually told like kind of a story in, in this or if we just sort of had a good time. Before we get um to a last couple of questions. Oh, sure, um, sure. Yeah, yeah. If somebody either would like to find your blog or they would like to, I know you already mentioned your site. What kind of advocacy or speaking work are you looking for? Or is there something? Oh, I'll speak anywhere. (laughs) I really will. If you call me and I'm available and I can put you in on my calendar, Mm -hmm. I'll do it. I'll speak. Um, Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm totally willing to do that and come, you know, for just about anything to help support the trans community. Cause I'm just, I'm so grateful to the people that came before me that, you know, did a lot of hard works so that, that has made it so that my transition has been as easy as it has been. And so in many ways, I want to be able to try to give back to humanity mm-hmm. um, in, in any way that I can to, by trying to help be an educator, which is what I am at heart. Yeah. <laughs> so they can find you at denethorn.com or yeah. unordinary style, the blog. Yeah, um, like style. Yeah, uh, I will. Like yeah, so it's it's also funny because I use two different names, right? So like I have yeah, my name Ke- Kelly Denethorn, but my mm-hmm. blog was started when I wasn't using Kelly Denethorn. Mm-hmm. Um, I ha- I had my pseudonym, which is Nadine Spirit. Yeah. So you can you can find me online as Nadine Spirit. <laughs> How did you pick Nadine Spirit? Did that mean something to you? Um, well, I probably went through about five or six different names. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had, I had, I liked some and I, and I didn't like others. And my only requirement at that time when I chose Nadine was I was using my, when I was born, the name that was given to me was Robert. Mm-hmm. Um, but then most of the time I went by Bob. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't want to have a name that was like Betty or Brooke or whatever. So it couldn't be like Bob. No, no, no. Now I'm Bobby. No, no, right. I, I didn't want that. I wanted something completely different. So I just randomly chose Nadine. And I think it was for Google for blogger or something like that. I forget exactly what it was, but I needed a last name. And so then I was trying like every single name that I could possibly go ahead and think of. And Google was like, nope, that's taken. Nope, that's taken. Nope, that's taken. And so I, um, unfortunately for me, I am a cigarette smoker. And so the cigarettes that I smoke are American spirits. <laughs> And so, that's so great. <laughs> yeah. So I looked down at the cigarette box and I was like, okay, here, how about Nadine Spirit? And Google's like, yep, you can do that. I'm like, okay, there you go. Done. So now people look at it. They're like, oh, what is it like Nadine? Like your spirit, like this is your spirit animal. I'm like, no, no. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Cigarettes. <laughs> yep. Cigarettes. <laughs> that's so great. Yeah. My first or my earlier blog's name was Welcoming Spirit. So, oh, interesting. but it was, it was the other kind. Co- it was not cigarette. So, oh, okay. Um, yeah. That's right. uh, back where it all started. <laughs> funny. funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So okay. let's get into the last couple questions. Sure. Um, what has the crossroads of joy and purpose looked like for you? 
so the crossroads of living my purpose and my joy um, look like for me, apparently that, that is that's being an, an educator. Hmm. Yeah. So I really just find, um, you know, so, such immense joy in, in educating people. And I can't believe how joyous it is to me to be able to try to help educate people about what it is to be transgender. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, I mean, I love educating. I love being a math teacher, but being able to educate people about being transgender, I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is just, this isn't even work. This is just fun. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell it just lights you up. That's so good. Yeah. And then last and most joyfully, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? Um, I say, say the first thing would be um, learn to accept who you are and, and then learn how to work with it. Mm. Yeah. And so I think that's a difficult, I mean, it's a difficult thing. So a lot of people like learn to accept yourself. Well, yeah, but see, maybe what you're accepting is that you're not necessarily a great person, but you need to accept who you are before you can actually change who you are Mm. in my mind. So learn, you know, accept who you are and then learn to work with it. So then uh, secondly, um, I would say, share your story. Everybody has a story and, and in coming out to people, um, as trans, I've been shocked at the stories that people have been told me. Like one of the very first um, people that I came out to, a, very, a couple that I came out to, it was probably a day or two later. They called me up. They're like, you're amazing. We love you. And I'm like, why? And they're mm-hmm. like, well, because you had you had the courage to come out to us. And because of that, my husband had the courage to come out to me and tell me that he is actually bisexual. <sighs> wow. Yeah. And they've been together for probably 10, 15 years. Amazing. And the the gentleman in the relationship had never actually had, he had never actually had a heterosexual relationship before. He had only ever had homosexual relationships prior to her. Oh, wow. But he was so terrified that to let anybody know that he never told her. That's amazing. Yeah, and the courage and so just, it takes. Yeah, <laughs> to step into that being, you know, of speaking your truth in that way is amazing. Yeah. So you know, so just and I've had story after story after story like that, and so you know, share your story because um, I'm sure that it's amazing. Um, I, okay, and so then last thing um, I would say would be um, always be humble enough to learn. That's beautiful. Oh, thanks. I try to be well educated, but I also try to be willing. I'll, I will defend my position um, very much so until somebody is able to educate me otherwise. Hmm. But once somebody's able to educate me otherwise, then I'm willing to change my opinion on a dime. I love that, Kelly. Thank, oh, you, thank you so much. Aww, Those are all you. so great. Oh, you're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show with me. Oh, I so appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Kelly, thank you so much for being on the show. It is such a treat to have gotten to catch up with you again. And I'm just so delighted to see how you're owning your your human experience and really becoming an advocate for transgendered people. And thank you so much for sharing your story with us this week. 
If you guys want to find out more about Kelly, you can find the show notes for this episode at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Kelly. And while you're there, of course, you can sign up for the Three Things Thursday newsletter. And of course, there's another 203 joy-filled episodes there on the site too that you could discover and binge listen to if uh, you're really excited about it. I would love to have you come on over. (laughs) Next week on the show, we're going to revisit the discussion about how to start a business when you have a nine to five job. This is something that I lived through and did in the last year. I left my nine to five job in January of 2019. And so I'm going to dish the dirt (laughs) on how I did that. How I built this business of podcasting and being a podcast consultant uh, while also still working a nine to five. And I can't wait to share that with you guys. And you'll come back for that. Until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.